Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Are we awake tonight? I know it's been a long day. But we're here in the house of the Lord. Blessed are those who by night stand or sit in the house of the Lord. They shall be blessed. So we are trusting the Lord for a blessing tonight. It is the first day of September, the first service of the month. And as you know, uh, the first Sunday of every month is our prayer night. So mark your calendars. Uh, This Sunday evening, 6.30 to 8 p.m., it's Believer's Prayer Night, and so it's for believers to come. We, we stay together, pray for an hour and a half, just seeking the Lord on behalf of our church, uh, our city, our, our families, the, the country, the world. But we come together the first Sunday just to cover the new month in prayer. And prayer is the reason why I believe God has given us fruit in our church. And there's, sis, there's ladies who pray before every service uh, in the green room, our prayer room, down the hall. So if you feel led to be a part of that, it's a very powerful and wonderful ministry to go before the Lord on behalf of the service. Because really every time the Bible's opened up here from the pulpit, you know, we're doing battle against the enemy. And so the enemy isn't happy, and so we really need to cover that in prayer. Men's and women's events are there. I see the youth here tonight, so we'll see about getting something on there as well uh, for the youth. Check us out on the radio. Please keep the radio ministry in prayer. We have a brother. uh, Brother Joe is actually in training right now to uh, give Dan a a break, and so we we can use prayer on the radio ministry so pretty soon you're going to hear some guy from new york you know with the brooklyn accent you know forget about it lasting truth you know so should be a good time but with that all said turn with me in your bibles uh this evening please to first chronicles chapter 14 that's first chronicles chapter 14 and give me an amen once you are there and father we do come before you again this evening so grateful that we can Really lay down our burdens before you, Lord. Cast our cares before you, for you care for us, Lord. And we ask, Father, that you would strengthen us as we study. It's been a long day for some of us. And so we just pray, Lord, that you would guide us, that you would open up our understanding to really hear clearly from your throne room, from heaven to our hearts tonight, Lord. Remove any pride, any doubt, any worries of the day. And help us to rest in you as you teach us. May you increase and we decrease. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. And so in First Chronicles uh, chapter 14, as you know, the Lord has been establishing the kingdom for King David. And we have seen the nation of Israel come together uh, to David, all the mighty men of, of valor, the warriors, And he's being established, and it really took place in Hebron, there near Jerusalem. But in our story now, we see that David is being established there in the old city of Jerusalem. 
that is the capital city of Israel back then, during the kingdom years, and it's also the capital of Israel today, thank God. And also, it bears the name of David. It's known as the city of David. And so he's being established there as well. And we know that David is a man after God's own heart. He's a special man, different than Saul. David, who we see his heart in the Psalms. We see how wonderful his desire was for God. It was a real beautiful, poetic insight to one who loves God. He was known as the sweet psalmist of Israel. And in fact, his last words, he by the Spirit refers to himself as that very thing in Second Samuel chapter 23. It says, now these are the last words of David. Thus David, thus says David the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. I was reading the Psalms, I read them every day, and I read Psalm 8 and Psalm 9 today, and they're from David, so many of them are. Psalm 8, verse 1, he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. David says in Psalm 9, 1 and 2, I will praise you, O Lord, all of my heart, and I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praises to your name. And O Most High, I will sing praises to your name. Special guy. Amen? Just to read the Psalms, we get, we get that insight of who he was. God, speaking of David, it's written about in Psalm 89. Very well. Check this out. Verse 20 through 24. I have found my servant David. With my holy oil I have anointed him. With whom my hand shall be established. Also my arm shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face and plague those who hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name his horn shall be exalted. Right? And so he said there that I have chosen him, I have anointed him with holy oil, I have established him. And that's what we see. We see this man after God's own heart being established by the Lord. And we know that the Messiah, our Savior, Jesus Christ, will come through his lineage, known as the Son of David. And as wonderful of a man as King David was, we know that he was still just a man. And that he sinned. And it's written about in scriptures for us to see and for us to learn from. And the only one who was perfect ever was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of David. But King David was not perfect. And in our story tonight, we're going to see a compromise in his life that I feel would lead to more sin in the future. But it's there, not to bash David, not for us to to look down on David, but it's a cautionary warning for all of us to be careful to honor the word of the Lord all the days of our life and I mean all the days of our life and so we read in verse 1 
Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees with masons and carpenters to build him a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people. And so what a wonderful gesture, what a kind thing for the king of Tyre, Hiram, for him to send cedars, the, the famous uh, cedar woods from the cedar trees of Lebanon, Hiram, for him to send that in order to build David a house, a palace. What I see here is God's continual divine providence of provisions for David's life. Here he is, minding his own business in Jerusalem. God is establishing him. There's no talk of him building a palace for himself. It's the king of Tyre that thinks of this. And, and Hiram was, a, was an ally to Israel. The, the kingdom of Tyre was a small kingdom. It's, it was located north of, of Israel there in modern-day Lebanon, just south of Beirut. And so we read of Tyre, the Phoenician people, this is him. This is his kingdom. And they're a small kingdom that's been around for some time. And within their kingdom, they're known around the world, actually, but within their kingdom of having terrific masons and carpenters. And they were known for doing good work with that famous uh, cedar tree, cedar wood of Lebanon. They, they made fine cedar buildings and palaces and furniture, maybe some rocking chairs, maybe some rocking horses, who knows, for kids. But they're just known for being good artisans when it comes to that. And he thought providentially, hey, there's a new king. A new king has been anointed. You know what he needs? He needs a palace. And so he sends, without David ever having to ask, here comes the masons, the artists, the supplies. And when David saw this, he recognized that indeed God was establishing him even more. As if he needed the evidence, I mean, the whole nation has come around him. But it seems like, oh my gosh, so many good things are happening to King David. They are there. It's all coming together. And, and he didn't even know that he needed a palace, but apparently God knew he would need a palace. And God touched the heart of Haram to provide that for him. It's the providential foresight and care of God for his servant David. And for us who have placed our faith in the son of David, Jesus Christ, that we believe with all our heart that he died for our sins on the cross and on the third day God raised him from the dead. And he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you and I. If we believe that, if we've placed our faith in him and have been born again, then we believe that providentially God is moving the pieces together for our needs. And whatever our calling is, God will provide the needs for that calling. You want to know how he does it? I don't know. I don't know how he does it, but he does it supernaturally. He has ways that we knoweth not. He has means that we knoweth not. He has people with deep pockets that we knoweth not. He has artisans and, and masons and cedar wood and, and a church building here and classrooms that we didn't have and a parking lot that we didn't have and a 
you know, fancy lights and he brought an Edison guy to put them up. And, you know, there's just what he does is what he does. And you sit there and you're just like, indeed, this is the Lord. Not establishing me, but establishing us. It is a miracle. And if oftentimes people, we don't recognize how he is establishing and putting things together. How, how many open doors does God open and close other ones? The Bible calls Jesus the, the son of David, but that he has the keys of David in his hands, that he opens doors that no one can shut and shuts doors that no one can open. I mean, if you think about where you are today and ask God if you cannot see how far he's provided for you, how he's moved the pieces together. I cannot believe he providentially cares for you and I because he loves us. And he didn't save us to leave us hanging. The problem with some people is that they lose patience with God. But if we're content with our salvation alone, we'll be content to wait forever. He doesn't have to give us another thing. Another thing. Nothing. The problem is when people are not content with their salvation, you see, and they are upset with God all the time because they don't have the right job, the right relationship, the right toy, the right whatever. Wait a minute. We have the right salvation. He doesn't owe us anything. But now that we can celebrate him, trust in him, be content in that, and watch him eventually bring things that we need. Jesus taught the disciples when he sent them out, right? Take nothing with you. Don't take any money. Leave your wallet at home. Go out. That's basically what he told them. Go out and learn. He said to them in Matthew 10, verse 9 through 10, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper, in your money belts, nor bag, nor journey, nor tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. Go barefooted, is what he said. For a worker is worthy of his food. In other words, as they go and, and obey what he says, share the gospel, he'll provide for them. He'll provide for them. Their obedience, their sharing of their faith, that is directly coronated with God's provisions for them. I believe that a lot of times provisions don't come because we're not sharing our faith with anybody. I believe provisions don't come because we're not obedient in the little things. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, it says, He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. He will do it. What does David know about building a palace for himself? He knows nothing. How much did I know about doing pastoring a church? How much did you know about your your occupation, how much did you know about being a husband, a mother, a, a wife? How, you know, these, it's like we learn as we walk with the Lord by faith. He begins to show us how to do it correctly as, as we go by faith. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. He knows what we need before we even ask of it. David, you're going to need a you're king now, dude. You're going to need a throne and... A palace where people can come and you can counsel, judge, and do whatever you got to do. It's like, oh, okay. And then we see when David's older, he's instructing Solomon on how to build the temple. Where did he learn that? Haram, man, showed him when he built his house. I've learned so much in this year that we've been in this church. So much about having a building is what I've learned. The blessings, the lessons, the maintenance, the responsibilities, all of it, the air conditioning stuff, the putting a projector up, killing ants, and as we go, providentially, God's going to care for, for you, he's going to care for me. We see here that, it, that help is coming from a small place. Help is coming from a small place. 
I mean, if you size up kingdoms, Tyre is not a very huge kingdom. It's a small kingdom. But they're knowledgeable in things that David was not knowledgeable in. And there's a reminder not to despise the small things. Zechariah 4.10 says, For who has despised the day of small things? To have humble hearts to say, Lord, if you want to teach me anything from anyone in the body of Christ, from anyone in society, I'm open, Lord. I'm not too prideful, too arrogant, too haughty that I can't learn from anybody. Be open because knowledge will come from the most unique places, right? I mean, look at all of us. We're a miracle that God can use us. He uses the weak things, the foolish things to confound the wise so that no flesh can, can glory in his presence, so that only he gets the glory. And God forbid we become so big that we don't receive from people. Christians should be the most humblest of folks we need because that's who our Lord was. He loved everyone so much, didn't he? And he loves everyone in the body of Christ here. We're all equal in his eyes. He loves us equally. So we should care what we have to bring to the table. Amen? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, speaking of the gifts of the Spirit, verse 18 through 23 it says this, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. David will be dealing with a lot of kingdoms during his monarch. But that small kingdom up north, that king built my house. How special was that relationship, right? How special was that? So we need to be open and loving and receptive to what all of us have to contribute to the body of Christ. The problem is not everybody in the body is wanting to get busy, wanting to be involved. That's another thing. See, fellowship and, and coming to church isn't just about doing a religious activity. God calls us to interact, to serve one another, so that what you can bring to the table, we are edified from. It's not just coming in and leaving. And many look at it that way. Just coming and going, just did my religious duty. No, no, no. You have something to bring that you're not leaving here or participating in because you just come and then you jam right away. Stick around. Fellowship. And it says here that when David knew, verse 2, that the Lord had established him as king over Israel for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. So why did God exalt the kingdom? Why did God establish it? Why is God making it powerful? Why is God blessing him with the cool palace? Why is God lifting this man up? Why is the kingdom being strengthened for the sake of his people? David understood that. God is blessing for the sake of his people. It's about loving God and loving his people. That is the basis of all blessings. Jesus was asked by the lawyer, what's the great commandment? He says, love God with everything you have, and then love your neighbor as yourself. The second commandment is, is right next to it. 
Love God, love your neighbor. Again, this goes back. It's about loving God and it's about being involved in church for the sake of God's people and ourselves. That's why we go to church. Because going to church is a selfless thing. Do you ever see it that way? That I am going to contribute to the fellowship. I'm going to contribute to the happiness. I'm going to contribute to the joy. I'm going to go contribute to the conversation, to the dialogue. Because there's there's only one you and there's only one me. And we need to be the best Christ-like you you can be. We all come in here and we contribute to when each member does its part. That's fellowship. That's why we come to church. That's why when you see people just come and jam, that's just religion right there. Don't they know that this is about God's people and his bride? Who are you ministering to? No, no, I come to church to be ministered to. Yeah, we all do, but who are you ministering to? Because you have something you can bring that I can't. And David knew that the kingdom was exalted for the sake of God's people. We should know that God is building our lives for the sake of his people. And again, some people aren't being built up. God's not necessarily establishing them and strengthening them, doing anything in their life. Because why? Because their mind isn't even on for the sake of God's church. But the moment we say, Lord, like Jabez, help me to do good and not evil, expand my territory. In other words, expand my influence for your kingdom and help me to do good and not evil. My gosh, God says I can use someone that way. Someone who has a heart that says it's not about my people. I can exalt them, and they'll still remain humble. And I don't know if, if I've read this a long time since I remember this verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. That's a stinger. He who loves his, the brethren has passed from death to life. It's a fruit of being born again that you care for the brethren. It is an exhortation, maybe a rebuke to some who just come and go or kind of just, it's about God's people. That's why we fellowship. Amen? Then David took more wives. Verse 3, he was doing so well. Then David took more wives in Jerusalem, and David begot more sons and daughters. These are the names of his children whom he had in Jerusalem, Shamua, Shabad, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Elpalet, Nogah, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Bieliada, and Elephilet. I wonder what language we're going to speak in heaven. So we see here David's real first mistake here. First sin. At this point in his life, these are the children that he had in, in Jerusalem. These are, this is the wives he had in Jerusalem. There's a whole section about the wives he had in Hebron. And at this point he had six sons from six wives at Hebron. Not including the daughters. David had fallen into that ancient custom of the kings of old where they took brides of daughters of other kings in order for political reasons. 
but we know that's probably just an excuse for dogism. They were just dogs. It's worldly behavior. It's what worldly kings do. The Bible never justifies polygamy, ever. And what we see in those times where the fathers, the prophets, or the fathers had them, whether it's Abraham with Hagar and Jacob with his two wives and David with all of these wives, God never approves of it. We see God's uh, basis for marriage in Genesis. In the beginning, he made a male and female, one for one. That's the basis of marriage. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Ch-